We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. And we're joined by Odyssey Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Insider calls are presented by the Odyssey NFL Draft Show. Join Jason and Brian Baldinger on the first night of the draft for an inside scoop on the best prospects for the Saints and also other teams. It all starts Thursday, April 27th at 6 p.m. on the free Odyssey app. Jason, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Before we get into draft questions, i got to ask you about the commanders because you know this wasn't going to be smooth on the same, no. but... With Josh Harris, because uh, the, the other group that came in, I, again, um, man, are they trying to pay this off with Confederate money? I, I don't know. But the Josh Harris deal, to me, seems to be at least one that you can sink your teeth into, I think would be an easy sort of stamp. He comes into the league. I know some of the owners maybe thought they'd get more than $6 billion for the commanders, but at this time, I think just to get rid of him, I think they would yeah. say, hey, listen, we got a guy that's willing to pay six. Let's get rid of Snyder and, and, and wash our hands of him. Yeah, boo hoo hoo! The billionaires won't get all the billions <laughs> yeah, that they want. They're, yeah. they're all doing, they're all doing just fine. And yeah, I mean, Josh Harris obviously has a track record in, in putting together organizations and knowing how pro sports teams work. And he was a part of the Broncos situation, so he would have been fully vetted for that. Um, I think in the next twenty four hours, we'll see an announcement from the Commanders that that uh, former owner Dan Snyder and the Josh Harris group have agreed to terms. And that the deal is finalized, contingent upon the owners voting for this by, um, you know, the whatever two thirds majority or three fourths, whatever it is, they have to get it. They'll get it. Um, and this will be uh, a done deal next month at the owners' meetings when they when they hold that vote. Um, that's where it's heading. I mean, whether it's five point six five or five point seven or whatever it ends up being, uh, look. Um, once he gets a new stadium and once he gets a new practice facility, it's just what? His franchise is already worth more than six. It's already going to be worth way more than he paid for it then. Yep. And, you know, if he were to go and get somebody like a Lamar Jackson, who I think would become the second or third best, maybe the best quarterback in the NFC the moment he got there, then he might also, you know, have some, some playoff wins or, you know, a divisional banner to hang or something else in his first season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I covered that team for a long time. I've spent most of my life in the Baltimore, D.C. area, and people there are celebrating. It's ding dong, the witch is dead, and <laughs> yeah. they couldn't have, you know, they 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 wanted this to happen 15 years ago, and no one thought it ever would because Dan Snyder's a relatively young guy. But um, it's happening, and they're done with him, and the sleeping giants about to finally awake. Jason, I think when you look at the draft itself, I think it's clear cut. Bryce Young's going to Carolina. Yeah. I think you know that that may have come out of other things about C.J. Stroud and stuff. I think the big question mark now: what happens at two and three? Yeah. There, there are a lot of indications that the Texans aren't totally sold on C.J. Stroud, and this could be a situation where a Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, a guy we got to see a ton of, Will Anderson at Alabama, comes into play. Uh, at that two spot and potentially even at the three spot. Well, I, I've, I've got a piece coming out soon at the Washington Post, and I'm, I've talked to a lot of people who I know and trust, and they're like, look, maybe it's all an elaborate smoke screen, but um, I don't believe that 
that Texan staff is far from sold on C.J. Stroud. They were team Bryce Young. They're not going to get Bryce Young. And they're weighing these quarterbacks, and they're looking at next year's quarterbacks, and they're looking at all the holes on that roster. And a coach in D'Amico Ryans who knows time is on. If ever a coach had time on his side, it's him. It's this coach. Yep. You 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 cannot fire a coach one year in, three years in a row. Um, and they else is moving up to take a quarterback you're not sure of. Other players are getting pushed down the board. I, I think if they had their druthers, they would trade out of that pick. I think they desperately want to trade out of that pick. Um, they were probably as motivated as Arizona. Now you got to find somebody to come up and be willing to pay what you think is a fair price, and they've got a need to think they have to get to two to get their guy. And I don't, I don't know if that need exists right now for for you know another quarterback. Um, I know I hear Tennessee is the team that really likes Stroud. Do they think they have to move to two? Do they think they have to move to three? I mean, do could could you sit there and and maybe two and three are forced to take players and then. Indianapolis takes Levis, who they've loved all along, and then, you know, maybe you don't have to move up as far. I'll be really fascinated to see the timing of this. You know, I think there's an arms race going on right now between Arizona and Houston in terms of who can get something done that they can live with quickly to just be done with it. Um, And the closer we get to the draft, some of these teams might be inclined to call their bluff and see what they actually do, and and maybe that would result in the Texans taking – whoever they think is the best defensive player on their board. I would not rule Jalen Carter out of that equation whatsoever either. Um, you know, and let the chips fall where they may. Jason, as you kind of mentioned, it is smokescreen season, but who are some players that you've heard are kind of shooting up draft boards late in the process a week and a half out, and who are some guys that are kind of falling down a little bit? You already kind of mentioned C.J. Stroud has a potential to fall if Houston doesn't take him, and then obviously Arizona's not taking a quarterback. And if Indianapolis passes on him at four for Levis as a guy that you just said they like, but are there any other prospects that you're kind of hearing falling down draft boards and then other guys that are shooting up? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, look, I, I'm convinced that, that Bijan Robinson is going to go higher than some people I agree. Um, would expect. And I, I, I think the Eagles at 10, you put him in a backfield with Jalen Hurts, oh. and they still have another first-round pick. If they think he's one of the two or three best football players in this draft, I don't think Howie Roseman is going to worry about you know, what they're going to say about him on the message boards or, you know what I mean, what whether people are going to say that's too high to take a running back. Um, you know, and I, like, even I'm looking there at Belichick at 14. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that young man's getting to the second half of the first round. I really don't. And if he goes as high as I think he can, then I think that Alabama running back's going as well. I see a lot of these gambling sites, you know, over under one and a half running backs. I think two will go. Um, you know, in terms of, of people falling, um, I, I'm there's not the pass rush. I don't know that any of these guys are it. You know what I mean? Like, but then it's not the deepest thing in the world either. So you you can't wait too long. But I, I suspect that there's a pass rusher who who thought he could go in the top ten, who's still available, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, something like that. Um, and I also think the run on the corners could start as soon as Detroit at six. Yep. Especially if Seattle takes Jalen Carter. And if that's the case, um, you know, people are talking about five or six corners in the first round. I think you see five or six corners in the first 22 picks. Jason, I agree with you totally on the cornerback position. I think what's not being talked about is the, the top level corners in this draft are really good. Uh, from Weatherspoon 
to Gonzalez, and then you throw in Deontay Banks uh, mm-hmm. from Maryland. Those guys are really, really good players, and you never have enough cover cornerbacks. Didn't even talk about Joey Porter Jr. Also uh, in that group, you got some really good players there. One area that I'm I'm really intrigued with because I've, I've done this for a long time is the tight end position. And I don't remember this many, what I would call top 60 tight ends in one draft class when you look at a Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid or Darnell Washington. Uh, And then you throw in a guy like Luke Musgrave, who really didn't play much last year, but he is really a, a very talented guy. And then Tucker Kraft uh, from South Dakota State, who reminds me a lot of Dallas Goddard uh, when he came mm-hmm. out of South Dakota State also. In this draft class where now we're seeing how the league has changed, you're looking for matchups. Every one of these guys, <laughs> you talk about a matchup nightmare when you got to yeah. cover uh, the athlete like a Kincaid or a Musgrave or a Washington or a Kraft. Now, Kraft and Mayer and Washington are pretty good blockers too, but that tight end group is as good as I've seen in a long time when you're talking about top 60 picks. I agree with you. Um, I, I think it, some of it will just depend on who takes that first bite at the apple, you know? And how deep how deep does that come? You know, like do 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 the Bengals get their pick of of all of them or almost all of them? Does somebody move up because they just think the value is too great and and they don't want somebody else to get their guy. Um, yeah, I, I think the fact that also this receiver class isn't isn't particularly special no. whatsoever. It's no. not special at the top and it's not deep. Um, I don't know that we see four tight ends go. You know. Well, certainly you're not seeing four in the first round. And you may only see one or two in the first round, but then I think you see a rapid run on them day two to the point where when you get around the picks 50, there might be five of them gone. One of the guys I really like, I got to see him in high school. He was one of the top players in the state of Texas. And then he goes to Alabama, and they were going to put him as an edge rusher, and uh, that didn't quite work out. He goes to Arkansas, Drew Sanders at, at linebacker. And the fact that he's played in the middle, He's played outside. He can give you a pass rush. Man, he can run the field extremely well. Sort of like the running back position. I think the linebacker position has sort of been a little bit devaluated because some of those guys can't cover worth a lick. I look at Drew Sanders, really good athlete, can rush the quarterback, can play the run extremely well, and has gotten better as a cover guy. You saw him last year. He was dominant for the Razorbacks at linebacker. Your thoughts on Drew, and I think he's one of these guys that he could fall at 27, also go 35-36, but he's going to come off the board real early in round two if he doesn't get selected in round one. Yeah, my suspicion is we we don't see um, a linebacker like that go day one, especially with 31 picks and, and not 32. Um, but, yeah, a, a really good football player, like, makes, you know, makes your team better right away. Um, you trust him in a lot of different situations. I just – I'd be surprised if he ends up cracking the first round. 
Hindenhooker, and, and there's a lot of yeah. <laughs> mixing. Uh, got to spend some time with him at the Manning camp, and just a great leader. You saw his accuracy skills, his touch, his ability to find the open man downfield. And people, oh, he's just throwing those short passes. No, all those short passes, uh, they accurate, right? He's hitting those receivers in the hands. And Cedric Tillman didn't play for half the season for Tennessee. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's probably one of the bigger surprises of what he did last year. Your yeah. thoughts on Hendon Hooker? Because in a quarterback-starved NFL, you may have to wait a little bit for him. Yeah. But, man, he can play, and he brings you the intangibles and the talent that you want at quarterback. I've talked to a lot of executives about this. Um and sort of, does that fifth guy go in the first round? And if so, how high? Um, and there was not not any sort of, you know, I didn't have people like decidedly on one side or the other saying absolutely. Um, there are some who said no way you can't take him because of the age and the injury factor. You know, he can't be a first-rounder for you. He's not a first-rounder for me. But all he has to do is be a first-rounder for somebody, you know. And some of the people I'm talking to, like, they've got quality or at least potentially quality quarterback already on their rookie deal, you know, or they've got a solid veteran or they've got a star. It's a little different when you're looking at your depth chart at that position and you're projecting out, you know, what do we happens if we get an injury week one, who's on the roster, who we trust a year from now, and who do we think is a long-term guy two, three, four, five years from now who we already have here. And there's a lot of teams who can't answer that question. So I, I think that like right there in New Orleans, um, like, that, how long have they been doing as much homework as anybody on quarterbacks, right? I mean, it's been going on a long time now. And like, also a team like Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, how much one. longer like, are you going to go with Kurt Cousins? They don't want to give him one more deal. They've made that clear the way they did this last restructure. So, if you're not who you thought you were, you start playing, you know, hooker in December, you know, or whatever. A few games if you can, maybe more. Maybe he's available for six or eight or whatever, if it's not going well. And if it is going well and it's a redshirt year, you get to have him in your building all year. You get to see where that thing stands. Um, and, you you know, maybe you're more content to let Kirk Cousins walk than you certainly were this year when Kellen Mond was the alternative. This organization, or this, this, this organization, this front office group wasn't there when Mond was drafted. It's, it's a new regime. So, no, it would not shock me in the least. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, if you told me the Rams somehow got in, you know what I mean, to, like, if he's still there around 31 and the Rams went there to get him, because you want to get him with the fifth-year option, right? right. Especially if you're going to the redshirt him year one. You know, and Stafford's arms all mangled and maybe McVay has decided I'm in for the rebuild. Like, would they look at that and say there's value there? Like, let's do that. Him with McVay, you know, and some of the pieces we have. If Stafford's not the long-term deal or we can get out from Stafford a year from now, we'll do it. So, yeah, it only takes one. And then, Jason, obviously today, Jalen Hurts with a record-breaking five-year, $255 million <laughs> deal, 179 guaranteed, and the full no-trade clause. So they're fully bought into him over this five-year contract extension. I want to get your thoughts on it because Mike and I were talking about it earlier. There's such an imbalance of quarterback play in the AFC versus the NFC. Jalen Hurts is oh, the yeah. top guy in the NFC, yep. and now the Philadelphia Eagles have locked him down for the next five years. He got paid a boatload, so it's almost like a win-win situation. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I mean, look, they, they they got themselves a ton of draft capital, so they had protection in case Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. But they went out, you know, and and 
drafted the receiver and traded for the receiver and, you know, built that thing up with the expectation that it could be him. And since they found common ground, you know, in terms of philosophy and scheme fit right around Thanksgiving, you know, two seasons ago, it, it's been um, it's been a fairly well-loaded machine. So, yeah, $50 million is the cost of doing business. They'll gladly play it. Um, they haven't been shy about resetting the quarterback market in the past or, or you know, getting behind someone when they think he, he's, he's the guy to get him to the promised land. And it didn't, it didn't never, it never got sideways. It, it wasn't long and protracted. You didn't hear anything out of one side or the other or this camp or that camp. It just got done, um, which, again, I, I think is how the Eagles have generally done business. So, you know, hats off to the owner. Hats off to Howie Roseman. Um, and hats off to Jalen Hurts, who, you know, really, like, it's, you got the football part of it and all that and the athleticism that's off the charts. But, like, Jalen Hurts, the human being, won so many people over there so quickly just by being himself. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, the leader. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts, the servant leader. Like, he, he, he's got all that stuff to him, um, which at that position is obviously incredibly important. So, no, I thought he'd be the first domino to fall. Now, does that give a nudge to the Lamar Jackson thing? Does that give a nudge to the Joe Burrow thing? Maybe even the Herbert thing, although I think that one's going to probably drag on a little more like Lamar. Um, that stuff remains to be seen. But the idea that you can't pay a quote-unquote running quarterback $50 million a year, that's out the window. Jason, last question. Devin White, uh, you know, former LSU mm. guy here. Yeah. And uh, he, he's made it known because, come on, it don't take long to see. The Bucks are in a major rebuilding job. Yeah. And, and he wants out. Uh, I had a couple GMs tell me they do, do not think the compensation for White will match what basically the Bears got for Roquan for Smith. Roquan. Yeah. They they don't think it'll be as much, and they think that the Bucks are going to deal him off before draft time, or on draft day. Su- yeah, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, um, and it won't be as much for as Roquan got. Um, but he's looking at that Roquan twenty million dollars a year for an off ball linebacker, saying that looks real good to me. Um, now, who's going to you know what I mean? Who's going to who's going to be willing to pay that freight? I I you know. Again, we just talked about linebackers, Kiff and Marcus. I think it's it's real tough sledding for them right now, um, in general. And you have a guy who, like, yes, Roquan got what he wanted, but two years before that, you guys know Patrick Queen real well. Yep. Patrick Queen wants out of here right now. He's thinking he wants fifteen. I don't see anybody giving him fifteen. He didn't play like the guy he was drafted to be even close to it until they got Roquan Smith. But not everybody has a Roquan Smith to put him next to. And guess what? The Ravens ain't paying two linebackers either. Um, and even I don't think they're going to pick it up. They want to trade him before the fifth-year option because they don't want to be on the hook for that money because it's 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 too much rich for their blood, especially with Roquan here. I don't think they can get more than a five for Patrick Queen. I really don't. Um, and maybe it's still enough, you know, motivation for them, addition by subtraction, to move him. Um, you know, just because he don't want to disgruntle player and we weren't going to pay him anyway. But I think it's tough sledding for those guys. You have the, the exception here or there. But by and large, I, I don't. I mean, there's not a big market for them. Look how hard Roquan. Roquan had a hold in the Chicago, right? Yep. Like it got real nasty there, and they still never paid him. He found himself in a perfect situation. But I would say that's the exception, not the rule. 
Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Man, really appreciate it. Always uh, great insights on the NFL and the draft. Thank you so much. My pleasure, gentlemen. Have a good one. Thank you. All righty. Thanks, Jason. That was Odyssey Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Insider calls are presented by the Odyssey NFL Draft Show. Join Jason and Brian Balding on the first night of the draft for an inside scoop on the best prospects for the Saints and also for the other NFL teams. It all starts Thursday, April 27th at 6 p.m. on the free Odyssey app.